It's Thursday at 10 a.m. and you're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM, talking all things sports with a special focus on our Auburn Tigers here on the Plains. If you want to be a part of today's action, feel free to tweet at us at Daniel J. Locke or the Griggs B. Let's get into the action. Good morning and welcome into the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me as always is Griggs Blankenberg. And additionally today for the first 30 to 45 minutes or so, we have Logan Hurston. Good morning, guys. Good, good morning. Good morning, Mr. Locke. How are you doing? Very good. Noah Phillips and I had an electric call um, for Auburn's volleyball game last night. Their 14th match of the year, their 14th win of the year, 3-0 mm. in SEC play. And they are going to demolished the Bayou Bengals in Baton Rouge next Wednesday. They're off to a good start, especially for a team that mm-hmm. going into the year, didn't we didn't really have too much of an expectation for them. People, no. the, people were still thinking this would be not to the level it was 2020-wise, but they still thought it was a decent um, um, – they would take a little while for still to be get back to the higher level that they want to be in the SEC. Yes, but I'm saying this right now. Sign Brent Crouch for life. That man's legit. And that man is doing good things, and I am really, really excited about the future of Auburn volleyball. This team is so young. Mm-hmm. Oh, the average yeah. age on this team is 19 years old, and they are playing so much older. That's older than both of you and I. That's younger than both of you and I. Correct. So, Wild. um, I am ex- wait. I'm 19. Yeah, I'm about to say. Oh. I'm like, I think Daniel's. Oh, 19. never mind. I'm 20. Never mind then. Anyways, um. I am extremely excited for the rest of this volleyball season. I wish there were more home matches, but that is neither here nor there. Brent Crouch is doing great things, and follow along. If you are an Auburn fan, Lord knows we need some extra, something extra to cheer for this fall. Join, tune in right now. Like, Follow this team on social media. Look at what they do. You will be very impressed. Mm-hmm. But moving on to the other fall sport. that's One a, of three, actually. Yes, one the, of the only one that's uh, that yeah. drives the mood around here. Yes, and that it would be Auburn football. They took on the Missouri Tigers last Saturday in Jordan Hare Stadium. Final score of that one: Auburn seventeen, Missouri fourteen. Both teams combined to score twenty-eight points in the first half and did not score a single time in the third or fourth quarter. And Auburn won on a field goal. But that doesn't even get to explain that game more because. Auburn was getting – I saw someone on Twitter say this. They were getting, like, unlimited mulligans like it was in golf, like yeah. every single opportunity. Like, that was the wackiest game I've seen in a long time. Like, Missouri drives down to Auburn's three-yard line. They have a shot to kick a game-winning field goal in regulation. And a kicker, who, mind you, was all SEC last year, misses a little chip shot 18-yarder. Yeah, it was crazy. And to think about it, here's how the uh, second half went. Um, for the uh, Auburn Missouri game, punt, 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 turnover on downs, turnover on downs. So yeah, and I was like, I remember tweeting about that, like another punt, another punt, another punt, and I felt like that's all I was tweeting. I would tweet Oscar Chapman booming kick sets Missouri up at the twenty. Missouri's punter Jack Stonehouse booming punt sets Auburn up at the nineteen. Speaking of that kid, that was he was incredible. Mm -hmm. That Missouri punter was a seventy yard punt, sixty yard punt. I think he deserves player of the game. 
Probably at that point. Like I think there was like 700 plus yards of punts that game. Had to have been because Chapman did really good too. Mm-hmm. And then I remember in the, you were in the press box, so you probably speak to this when the uh, official comes out. I know I was laughing when he's like, "Congrats, gentlemen, on a great game." Was the laugh in the press box? Dude, everyone in the press box absolutely lost it. It was the funniest thing because normally, like the mood of a press box is just everyone's like quiet, everyone's tuned in on their work, no one's really talking. But everyone said that, and then everyone just started dying laughing. Because that was one of the funniest football games I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. As someone who only followed the game through Daniel Locke's tweets, I can't confirm there was a lot of punts. <laughs> so That's all I saw. So let's get to the stat rundown real quick. Leading the game in passing yards was Brady Cook of Missouri with 179 yards, one interception. He's legit. Uh, yeah, he's legit. Uh, rushing attempts. Um uh, Nathaniel Pete for the Missouri Tigers was the leading rusher in this game with 20 carries for 110 yards. And the leading receiver was Dominic Lovett of Missouri with five catches for 102 yards. So I think this is the first game where Auburn has been out, um, besides maybe Penn State, out in all those three major categories. Yeah, and one good thing I saw from Auburn that I'll highlight real quick since we're talking about it, Coy Moore had kind of a breakout mm-hmm. game, yes. 74 yards off of four catches. Obviously, the LSU transfer playing against his former team this week. I hope he can build on that. Maybe eight catches for 140 yards. That uh, A touchdown or two would just be awesome. But I cannot remember the last time there's been an Auburn passing touchdown. Oh, and um, Robbie Ashford in cleanup time against Penn State. Well, oh, yeah, that was a passing touchdown to Jerkwise Hunter. Yeah, no yeah. No one remembers it. I can believe well, I remember it because I got my free chicken sandwich from that. So that's, I never take advantage of that. I have started to learn to take advantage. I never did it last you year. Know, both of you throw out a figure. Worked at Chick-fil-A for three and a half years. Was a manager at Chick-fil-A for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. How much Chick-fil-A, how many of those do you think I've had in my life? Chicken sandwiches? Yes, from Chick-fil-A specifically. I'm going to guess zero. I don't know. I, and I, I don't know. I feel like you wouldn't be asking this. It wasn't a really, relatively low number for how you've You been. eat the nuggets, so. No, I'm, that's not true. You I eat the, the nuggets when I'm not working, so I have something I'm not tired of. Okay, so if you worked there for three years, is that what you said? Yes. Okay. Averaging about four or five shifts a week. If I, knowing how much I work at Fusaklis, I would say you ate there at least three times a week. Three times 52, um, 150, to about 450, 500 sandwiches. Probably. Okay, so I was way off. Yes. Um, I don't know. I feel like you would just ask that just to try to trick us. But um, Auburn, well, uh, Deshaun Jackson away from losing that game and us potentially having a very different conversation right now. Dude, that was the – Auburn Jesus is still alive, and he is still very well. Now, like, he just I, showed up a week late. Like The problem with that was – or what was happening when I was staying in the student section, you know, me and Daniel usually sit behind the goalpost. We were there. I'm with our friend Jack, who's been on the show. He's running down the sideline. Everyone's, like, giving up. All of a sudden, he starts – for some reason, the running back for Missouri – switches hands when he's going when he's running the football. I'm rewatching the highlight a little bit now. He has the ball in his left hand, he reaches it to his right hand and he loses the grip of it when he's trying to do it. So what what are you doing? Like it was first down or I think. Yeah, no, it was second down. They already gotten the first down. Mm-hmm. Why would you risk it like that? Right, like like Harson said in the press conference, if it's fourth down, yeah, you got to try to get that thing across the line. But if it's, you know, second down, you've got two more chances. So. It's second down, he'd already got the first down. And he was going to be on the one-yard line. Yeah, I 
obviously he probably feels like the worst person in the world right about now. Uh, but, you know, it's just I'm watching it right now. He really didn't need to do that. He, he really didn't. He did, um, he did not. I mean, you, you hate to see stuff like that, but at the same time, when holy, what an ending. When it's, your, when it's for your team, you don't feel quite as bad oh, in no. some sense. But Like if Jarquez or Tank – or Tank wouldn't do that. But if Jarquez or Damari Alston or Robbie Ashford, I could see him doing that. If that happened, that would really, really stink. Um, what was it? Um, when we lo- when we this game, my parents asked me if, like people were going to roll tumors. I was with no. I'm like, w- why? Like, oh, your parents? Who you didn't let me see? You were in the press box. I want to see your parents. We were never. Never mind. But the point is on that. I'm like, what's there really to celebrate about? Because n- if you asked any Auburn fan out there who deserved to win this game. I don't think one person would say us. It felt like a loss. It actually felt like a loss. Yep. Minus the press conference I was at on Monday, everything felt like a loss, really. Yeah, and um, I just that's one thing that really stuck out to me in um, the press conference right after the game on Saturday is just how good of a mood Harson appeared to be in. Uh, and I guess, like, if Auburn had lost that game, he probably isn't our coach right now. I- I'd assume so, yes. But, so I guess he was happy, like, ah, oh, I've, I've lived another week. But, I mean, in a way, you kind of just prolong the inevitable. But at the same time, like, it's always good to win. Um, now Auburn's only three wins away from clinching our, what Vegas predicted us to do. Because uh, mm-hmm. they project this at 5.5. So, if we can just beat Western Kentucky, then we just got to find a way to, like, maybe get Mississippi State and beat LSU. And we're there. We're 6-6. Six and six. We're bowl eligible. Which feels like we're, you know, winning the natty, but it shouldn't, but it does. <laughs> but like, according to Auburn analyst and expert A.J. McCarron, uh, Harson. God. <laughs> I was crazy last night when I was reading that and saw that. I'm like, huh? Who, who's speaking about this? Who's got inside sources? You know, I hope you guys get this, but it'll be funny for anyone listening who does. I thought about quote tweeting something I saw about that and saying that's why you get out and throw the ball with pops. Do either of you get that reference? Um... I do not, no. Remember in the national championship game Alabama played against Notre Dame? Yes. When um, I turned that off after, like, the second quarter. When Musburger just went on and on and on about A.J. McCarron's then-fiancé, now-wife. Oh, I don't remember that. Really? Y'all don't? No, I'm going to be man- honest. I was very young. Because the Manti Teo storyline dominated. Yeah. That's the only thing I really True. remember from that. Yeah. And I know they, they got bl- Notre Dame got blanked. He just drooled over for, like, a minute and a half. Like, the camera kept going back over there. And then it was funny, in the LSU game, the next season, it was on CBS, and they showed her, and then um, Vern Lundquist said, and there's A.J. McCarron's fiance Kate, I forget what her last name is, or yeah. what her maiden name, Yeah. and then um, Carrie Danielson said, is that all you're going to say, Vern? I was oh, like, oh. that is like, I, I dislike Gary Danielson as much as the next guy, but that, I was like, okay, that was funny. I miss yeah. Vern, though. Mm-hmm. But... Besides Derek Hall, or is there before we go to break on this one? What is there any positives you can really take out of this besides Derek Hall and Coy maybe Moore. Coy Moore? Sure, I can't really see anything besides those two players. There that are like, always positives that um, I'm like pulling from because Robbie Ashford for like the third game was our leading rusher. Which yeah, Holden Garen or two carries for negative 17 yards. <laughs> That's impressively terrible. In the scenario he went in, that was I, I know, I know, unbelievable. They throw him in there. I mean, they said he was going to get snaps this week um, in the, some of the Auburn beat writers. I didn't expect it to be in that regard, but. I thought Colby wouldn't do all right. 
Yeah, I thought he did pretty good, too. Just Four tackles, one for loss in the quarterback carry. Hurry. Marcus Harris also had a quarterback hurry. Yeah, our defense got after a little more on the line. I will say that. However, we still did allow a 100-yard rusher and a 100-yard passer or re- re- uh, receiver. And True. That can't be happening once we start playing the big the big boys in the yeah. SEC where Brock Bowers doesn't need any more help than he already gets. Exactly. So I am I'm concerned about this Auburn team. I, I really am. I think that – I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. I am going to be going over to Oxford to cover the Ole Miss game in yeah, two weeks from Saturday, and I just really hope we don't have a losing record at that time. So we're 3-1 and one now. We have two games between now and then. So in order for – okay, I guess it's impossible for us to have a losing record at that point, but I would still love for us to be above 500, which means we have to be LSU since I don't think we're going to win in Athens. No. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and assume that we're not going to perform in Athens. Hey, for the Auburn-George game, they should play in uh, Columbus every year. They got a great airport there. Let me tell you about that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and before Griggs goes off on a tangent about the Columbus airport, we're going to step away for our first PSA break of the day. Don't go anywhere. We are going to preview the Bayou Bengals, Bengals, Bengals coming to town this week. So this is the Eagles Nest with Daniel Lott, Griggs Blankenberg, and for right now, Noah Phillips. We will be right You're not Noah Phillips. You're Logan Hurst. I'm sorry. It's very early. We'll be right back. And welcome back into the Eagles Nest, everybody. It is still a gorgeous fall morning here on the campus of Auburn University, but we're down inside the Melton Student Center, the Bradley Basin Studio, for segment two of the Eagles Nest. I'm Greg Swanker. Again, still, as always, Mr. Daniel Locke on the board, and we also have Mr. Logan Hurston. Yep, I said it right. I said it right. Mm-hmm. In here talking now. We talked about Missouri-Auburn in the last segment, but now it is time to discuss the game this weekend, which is LSU versus Auburn, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time on the worldwide leader of sports, ESPN. All right, so first I'm going to get into a little story time. Oh, okay. boy. So I'm going to take you back to Friday, October 1st, 2021. Daniel Locke went to his math tutoring in the morning, then his music appreciation class. Then he hit the road, 85 northbound. Logan, you'll be making this trek soon, so listen up. And I parked my big old F-150 at the Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport. I went through TSA. I um, went and sat down at my gate and waited to hop on a flight to New Orleans, Louisiana for a big sports weekend to see Auburn take on LSU. And then my beloved New Orleans Saints take on Daniel Jones. So I was like, okay, um, I'm, I'm at least going to get one dub this weekend, thinking that surely the Saints won't lose the home opener after a hurricane. Have you all ever heard stories about a home opener in the Dome after a hurricane? That is the best home field advantage in NFL. I will debate this with anyone, anyone Anyone so, get Pat McAfee in here? No, Griggs. No, I'm not going to say. I'm not saying. No, I'm not saying a Panthers joke. No, I'm saying that it takes a natural disaster to just fill the dome to get a home field advantage. Then that's not true. That's just we love our city. We're going to be here for our city. Okay. I mean, y'all might not have that in Charlotte. I'm not saying you do. Not saying you don't. But that's definitely a thing in NOLA. Anyway, so I was like, all right, we're going to beat Daniel Jones, but I'm a little worried about this Auburn game. Okay. So, no, that game is – well, it started off pretty bad. I was pretty – Griggs, do you remember that game? Wait, uh, the LSU-Auburn yes. game? 
Uh, yeah, I do. When Bo Nix is still the play that everyone yes. re- reshares of him going crazy and then throwing a touchdown. Oh, man, that was a good game. So, anyways, just... It was like the reverse, reverse of what you thought. Yeah. Anyways, Auburn wins that game, and I'm like, okay, good. I'm going 2-0 and on the weekend, and then the Saints lose to the Giants. But, whatever. Um, I just wanted to mention a good memory from an Auburn-LSU game since, you know, I'll save my pick later, but... I think this one might be hard to watch. Yes, currently the line started at minus six for in favor of LSU, then jumped all the way up to uh, minus nine. Now LSU is an eight-point favorite. Over/under is set at forty-six. And game time weather right now is saying it's going to be seventy-three degrees and showers, according to game time weather on the worldwide leader of sports. So I literally looked at this an hour ago, and it didn't say that. I know. No, I was going to talk about how we were about, oh. about an hour ago. We were still a nine-point underdog. Now we're only an eight, and the consensus pick about an hour ago was at fifty-six. Now it's at fifty-two for LSU. So more people are starting to pick Auburn. I'm kind of curious what's driving the sudden. Yeah, confidence. me, me as well, because this is an interesting game. LSU is definitely a team that has had their um, is definitely a team that is better on the defensive side of the ball. Judging by their passing stuff so far, they look to spread the ball around when they're throwing it. Uh, quarterback new this year, uh, Jaden Daniels, uh, listed as questionable on ESPN. Um, he had an apparent head injury versus New Mexico on uh, Saturday. I think he should be good to go because I've not heard anything on Twitter or anything like that since if then. If not, I'm kind of wondering who we're going to get since Miles Brennan's no longer on the roster. Let me look at the current LSU quarterback depth chart. I have an idea. Uh, oh, Tavion Falk. Mm. The freshman out of um, Kern Car, Louisiana. Yes, and then they they actually they, wow they actually have how many freshman quarterbacks do they have? My goodness, right? But that's a lot. You can just look at these and tell who's a scholarship quarterback and who's a walk on. Yeah, true enough. I eh maybe not. I mean, it doesn't go by number. I don't think. So there's that. But regardless, either. We have our own quarterback troubles to discuss still again. I feel like it's like yeah, it's like Groundhog Day over and over again where TJ's practicing this week, but on the Monday press conference, Harson listed um, Robbie Ashford as the starter. So I don't really know what to expect going into this game. Yeah. Everyone's picking against us. Those always do tend to be the best Auburn games when everyone picks against them. So maybe they're going to have a fire lit under them, you know, being an eight-point underdog at home and just come out and absolutely get it done. I hope that's what happens. But this LSU team's good, and their pass defense is one of the best. So, And Auburn already struggles offensively. So mm-hmm. if we can't pass, we're not going to be able to run. Well, we can't pass anyway. Well, true, but we're really not going to be able to run. I'm concerned about this team. So I don't really know what the game plan is here. I don't really know how you try to find yards or what. Yeah, I mean, LSU's only allowing 257 yards a game. Auburn allowing over 347. So, and they also average 480 yards. I mean, everyone knows Auburn has their offensive struggles right now. Don't don't get that wrong. But I just don't – this game is just very interesting. Like, going into the year, after they lost to Florida State, we were riding high. We were thinking, oh, we got this one in the bag. No, no problem about it. But now that Florida State's actually looking competent, just I I don't know. 
I think this is going to be a very tough game, especially teams have found out how to stop tank. For some reason, Harson or whoever's calling the plays is saying, hey, you only have to run tank Bigsby up the middle and Jarquez outside when you can switch them around sometimes. Yeah, and I don't know. It's just it's going to take more than – because Harson's very traditional with the way he does things. Very just traditional Mountain West, just ground and pound, run it up the middle, throw it outside offense, right? Mm-hmm. That's not going to work today. No. That, that's not going to work this week. It's it's not really. It's you have to be able to perform now because every game now feels. He said it. Every game's must win, but really, right now, every game is a must win. That is the biggest thing I miss from Gus Malzahn. The fact that he would open up the playbook, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't just you know, well, we're just going to run up the middle. We're either going to run between the guards, we're going to run outside the tackles, or we're going to do a ten yard dig route. Like, Gus Malzahn would just do some crazy stuff, and it was aggravating when it failed. But, oh, my gosh, when it worked, it was satisfying. So that's why I would love Lane Kiffin to be the coach of this team. But mm. we don't have an active coaching search going on at the moment. No, we do not. Whether that's true in three weeks remains to be seen. So if that happens, I promise you that Griggs and I will have an extensive one-hour conversation just about that. And there will be no Matt Rule being discussed. No, no Matt Rule, maybe Sean Payton. I'm kidding. There's no way he goes to college. But Sean Payton loves Auburn. He's he's waiting for uh, McCarthy to get fired. Everyone knows uh, that. I don't know. He doesn't yeah. like Jerry Jones. The he one, likes that money, though. The one X factor Auburn is going to have in this game is LSU has not played on the road yet. So we haven't seen. True. The one game they played at a neutral site was not neutral. 60 it was minutes a, away. Yeah. It was a glorified home game for LSU in the, in the Caesar Dome. I mean – at this point, I I don't think LSU is great, but, I mean, we're pretty bad, you know? Yeah, they're better than we are. They're definitely better than we are, but they haven't played on the road. If that quarterback is questionable, he may not play the whole game. I just don't see how we get any points. It's the only problem. My problem from the fan perspective of this is you can't, like, give up a lead early because then people will start to leave, and then that will cause yeah. – because, granted, Auburn fans love their team, don't get me wrong, but when they see a product on the field that they is just – hard to watch to their liking, they will be quick to show it. Not like now it won't leave like second quarter, but I'm talking if you were not having any adjustments into the second half, like how Auburn is normally with some stuff, then you have to be keep the momentum up and be able to keep the fans on your side. We actually did a lot better job against Missouri with that than I thought we would when we tied them for that long. There was not as many people left that I thought would. Yeah, and um I feel like Penn State was kind of I don't know it's not, even though when, when Auburn's not great, normally they can at least hang in there at home. So I was pretty like, just, I know we've beat this horse to death, but I was pretty surprised by well, not only the game, but I felt like people might have given up on Auburn a little quick in the Penn State game. I mean, rightfully so in hindsight, but that's neither here nor there. But I was pretty glad that not many people seemed to leave the Missouri game early, and it had a good crowd. Sorry. No, you're good. Golly. Had a good crowd. It did. I mean, I mean, that was still a lot better than I expected when everyone I was talking, a lot of people I was talking to were talking about turning in their student tickets and stuff like that. Yeah, and, um, the only reason I turned in my student tickets is because I had a press credential. Whenever that opportunity comes up, that is where I prefer to be. So, um, yeah. But, but sorry, go no, ahead. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, I was just trying After to think. Said. I was trying to say that and then lead into something else, trying to think. But. In terms of Robbie Ashford, he actually had a worse statistical game against Missouri than he did Penn State. So that kind of 
took me by surprise a little bit. Granted, we didn't really do any offense in the second or in the second half, but I don't know. Do you do you trust him? I just don't know who to trust at the quarterback going forward right now because that no. offensive line, the stat that kept getting brought up, I saw on Twitter, Tank Bigsby had 62 yards after contact and only had 44 yards total. This is Robbie Ashford's big chance. Um, mm. This is his chance to prove he can get it done. Yeah, and it's got to be now and or else it's going to be very hard going on the road to Athens and then Oxford. Yeah, that's a tough stretch. Luckily, after Oxford, if we can find a way – this is going to sound crazy, but if we can find a way to be five and two, uh, one and or three and one in the SEC after, the, like going into the bye week, I feel like Harson's earned the rest of the year. Depends on what that loss really is. I mean, it's so, going to be Georgia. It's going to be Georgia. It's going to be Georgia. But my thought process is you can't have three of the following things happen in order to keep your job. If you want to keep it to the end of the year, one. You, and you can't blow a massive lead that you've had in the second half. True. That is one. Number two is if you are tied at halftime, you have to be able to find some adjustment and not stick with the traditional play calling like they did versus Missouri. That is number two. Number three is you just can't get walked onto your home field and get absolutely obliterated. Those are the three True. things I think that as long as those three don't happen, you can potentially see – the um, uh, coaching staff remain through the entire season. So, in addition to that, what do we have to see for Brian Horst to be back on the Plains in 2023? I think we have to win eight games. I really do. I don't like speculating about that, but... Well, speculate. <laughs> I'm trying to think, I know. But, honestly, probably we can't drop a home game. Yeah, that's probably, probably That's probably going to be it. I mean, because I, I don't even think there's a possibility we can get... I think it'd be very hard to get eight wins, five wins, and including uh, two on the road, which would probably be Ole Miss and Mississippi State. And yeah, yeah, it's you got to I mean, people have already really made up their minds in their head, but I mean, I mean, he's still the Auburn coach. We got to give him a chance to just continue working until the time is called. But realistically, I under I. I kind of agree with what you're saying, but we have to perform at home and then follow my three things I said in order for that to happen. Yeah, and it remains to be seen. We're going to step away for another PSA break, but when we come back, we're going to be talking about Week 5 in college football. This is the content you do not want to miss. The Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. We will be right back. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me, as always, Griggs Blankenberg. Logan Hurston had to hit the road a little early, but do not fear. We are going to talk about Week 5 in college football starting right now. All right, so getting it underway tonight, the number 19 EYU Cougars host Utah State. This one is on 7 p.m. on ESPN. Moving into tomorrow night, the number 15 Washington Huskies, good to see the Huskies back in the top 25, travel out to Pasadena to take on the UCLA Bruins. Moving into the Saturday window at 11 a.m. on Fox, the number four Michigan Wolverines go to Kinnick Stadium to take on the struggling offensively Iowa Hawkeyes. Also in the 11 o'clock window, perhaps the biggest SEC game of the day on ESPN, the number seven Kentucky Wildcats travel over to Oxford, Mississippi to take on the number 14 Ole Miss Rebels. 
Also in the 11 a.m. window up in Minnesota, the 21-ranked Golden Gophers take on the Drew Brees alma mater, Purdue Boilermakers. Our next ranked matchup happens at 1 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network as number 12 Utah Utes host the Oregon State Beavers. At 2.30 p.m. on CBS, the number 20 Arkansas Razorbacks host the number 2 Alabama Crimson Tide for a big chance to prove that they are who they say they are. At 2.30 p.m. on the Big 12 Network, the number 3 Ohio State Buckeyes host Griggs and I's Scarlet Darlings, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Also at 2.30 on Fox, the number 9 Oklahoma State Cowboys travel over to Waco to take on the number 16 Baylor Bears in a rematch of the Pac- or a Big 12 championship game. At 2.30 p.m. on ESPN, the number 11 Penn State Nittany Lions, a team that Auburn fans know very well, unfortunately, take on the Northwestern Wildcats. And I'll let Griggs talk about this next one on ABC. Yes, so at ABC 2.30 p.m., it is the number 22 Wake Forest Demon Deacons traveling down to Tallahassee to Doak Campbell Stadium to take on the Florida State Seminoles. This game has been talked about all week if it's going to happen or not because of the hurricane. Luckily, I think it's going to happen, and this is a big game in terms of the Atlantic on what's going to happen with that. Since Florida State may be back, we'll see about that. But back to you, Daniel. And moving right along, back into the Southeastern Conference. I don't know why this one's just on the SEC Network. But at 3 p.m., the number 17 Texas A&M Aggies go down the Davis Wade to take on the Mississippi State Bulldogs, who are proving a lot of people wrong. And perhaps the biggest overall matchup of the day, at 6.30 p.m. on ABC, the number 10 NC State Wolfpack travel down to their sister state to take on the number 5 Clemson Tigers in Clemson, South Carolina. Griggs, what a slate. That is an incredible slate. We didn't even get to all of them. Those are still pretty good games. This is a great week for college yeah, football. We go as long as the music goes. Yes, we do. Um, but let's just keep it there. What you said, NC State at Clemson right now. Line is Clemson is a six and a half point favorite. Over under is at forty two. This is on our who you got later on, so we won't give a prediction for this one right now. But I think Clemson Wake last week. Clemson proved they're a good team. They were able to get have some adversity and battle back. And NC State is still a team where I think they have not proved absolutely anything yet. I still believe they're one of the most overrated teams in the nation. They lost, they beat East Carolina by one point off a godsend field goal. And then you had, they beat Texas Tech. Okay, now it's starting to look like a better win. And then you played UConn and Charleston Southern. But now this is where it starts to ramp up for the Wolfpack. You got Clemson this weekend under the lights in um, the fake Death Valley. You go at home to host Florida State. Then you travel on the road to the Orange, who are right now one of the more surprising teams in the nation. So, and then they go to Lane Stadium, and then they play host to the Demon Deacons. So this is a very important stretch for the Wolfpack if they're what people say they are, and which I do not say they are. No, I don't think this team's legit. It's just I have trust issues when a team like this just kind of pops up, sort mm. of like Arkansas last year is what they remind me of. Um, NC State last year was a bad season away from firing their coach. It was all they were talking about. So I kind of want to know. I still don't know. The season where where week five starts tonight, and I still don't know. Where the heck did all this preseason hype come from? I honestly don't know. Because you think about it, let's travel back in time a little bit. NFL draft, they have one of their highest ever offensive line. They have their one of their highest picks, I believe, since Mario Williams. You remember him? The Texans yes. player? Yes. Drafted in E.K. Oguamu, who is now in the Panthers. They You lose your left tackle, which correct me if I'm wrong, is one of the more significant pieces on the offensive line. You can make an argument that that is not only the most position on the O-line, but on the entire offense. Agreed. They lose that, and people somehow think, 
yeah, we lost our first round draft. We lost our a first round generational talent at left tackle. We're gonna be better than last year. What right. what are you talking about? You know who that reminds me of? The Saints. But you mm. know, we'll talk about that next. Yeah, but like I just I just don't get it, like what they're talking about, because this is a team that has all their like same like they had a, some good breaks last year, granted me that. They beat Clemson at home. That is a good break for that program. Don't get me wrong. However, this Saturday night, Clem- this is the first true road environment that NC State has been in. I'm sorry, East Carolina, you guys are not a true road environment, according to, to what I believe in that. And I think they're going to get exposed. I think I they're going to finish. They now, I think, could potentially be ranked third or fourth in the Atlantic. I hope. I mean, I'm really hoping for that because as I still like Wake. And I think Florida State's legit. And even now Syracuse. The teams who we thought weren't going to be good in Florida State and Syracuse are starting to play up a little bit. So a number 10 ranking for the Wolfpack is absurd. I would be okay if they were ranked in the 25. I will not have a problem with that. But the fact that you've won four games against four G5s and then one of them being close on your only true road game, that gives me a cause for concern. So tell me if you agree with this statement. Mm-hmm. Auburn deserves a top 25 ranking more than NC State deserves B10. This year? Yeah. No. Auburn doesn't deserve a top 25. No matter what. I mean, because NC State, they can point to and be like, at least they can point to and be like, oh, we're undefeated, and we beat a team who's beaten a ranked team. That's the only thing I can say. But you don't lose to a, a team by 29 points at home and be ranked and then barely beat one of the worst teams in the SEC and be ranked. Fair enough. That's my... Opinion on that. Let's get to some other games. So let's start at the one of the bigger, the, the second biggest game we'd say in college football this weekend. Kentucky, Ole Miss. Right now, Ole Miss is a seven point favorite down in Oxford. So this is an interesting game as well. This is also one of our Who You Got games. I just want to say real quick, this show goes so much smoother when my ESPN works. Yeah, mine's not working right now. So uh, so last week mine was. Oh man, sorry, you having to use CBS. Yeah, but now God I'm back speed, on speed, brother. Now I'm back on ESPN. So that's good, but. Yeah, Kentucky, Ole Miss. Um, Kentucky, I think, is really good. I think they're really good outside of a massively overrated quarterback in Will Levis. I like Will Levis a lot, though. I don't. Uh, he already has 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns. Okay. That's pretty That's Sweet. pretty good. Four picks. Okay, but here's the thought about this. Is Kentucky – all right, let me ask you this one. Is Kentucky is Kentucky overrated more than Ole Miss is overrated at this point currently? Um, give me ten seconds to deliberate. No, no. You think Ole Miss is more overrated? They have a ranked win. No, wait. They yes, don't. I, I think Ole Miss is more overrated because Kentucky has a ranked win. Yes, on the road they again. do. They did win in the swamp. That grand. That is a very hard thing to do, and that is why I'm leaning towards more Kentucky in this one. But yeah. I mean, Lane Kiffin was complaining about fan attendance for the other game. I mean, uh, Vaughn Hemingway Stadium is one of the smaller stadiums in the SEC. I'm going there for the first time two weeks from Saturday, and I'm looking forward to it. It's one of the smaller stadiums in the SEC. I think they'd show up for a ranked matchup. I think They didn't so. really show up last week. Lane Kiffin was complaining about some. But I, I actually believe, I believe in Kentucky because I believe they're going to finish – it's going to come down to them in Tennessee, I think, in the second in the East. But I believe in them because they've won in the Swamp. That is my big thing. If they can win in the Swamp, they can win in Oxford. Yeah. And I just – I don't just trust the Lane Kiffin offense yet. I just can't do it. Yeah, because I buy Florida for our good friend Jacob Hillman. You know, he's been to LSU. 
he was at the whiteout. He was at the Florida game in 2019, and he said that was the loudest stadium he's ever heard. So he's been to more of these loud, uh, only a few more, but mm-hmm. more of these loud environments than I have. So I trust what he has to say on that. Yeah, and then I just don't know what to think also from uh, uh, Jackson Dart. Yeah, he's shown flashes of being pretty good, but then at the same time, like, look at who Ole Miss has had to play. Your toughest matchup to this point was on the road at Georgia Tech. He was also fired their coach recently. Well, actually, and you, you barely beat Tulsa at home last week. And in opening week, you only beat – you don't cover against Troy. So, yeah, I think that's a – I mean, Ole Miss was one of the teams talked about being with Auburn near the bottom of the West. So I don't understand why they're ranked 14 right now. And I don't understand how they're a, a touchdown favorite against the number seven team in the nation who is one on the road in the swamp. Yeah, I just – I don't buy Ole Miss. Yeah. I really don't. Me neither. Um, other games. Um, all right, Alabama-Arkansas. Um, I was hoping this would be next. After that horrendous play – were you watching the Arkansas A&M game? Uh, yeah. Where, where they decided to have K.J. Jefferson try to do a over-the-top extend his arm for a touchdown on the three-yard line? Yeah. That was stupid, and that caused me just to be completely out on this. Arc. I don't really believe in Arkansas, right, for this game. But Isn't I feel it, like Alabama being a 17-point favorite is a little excessive. It's a little excessive, especially for a team that has stro- – I mean, this Alabama team under Bryce Young has struggled on the road in most of their games. Granted, they beat they barely beat Florida last year. They barely beat Auburn. They went to Texas and barely won. So I could be proven wrong, but the fact of the matter is this is still an Alabama team with one of the best teams – lineups in the nation i do think 17 is a little high but this is not one of our who you got games so i'm probably going to go to the crimson tide on this one but i don't think they'll cover but i would love to pick arkansas but mm, I, me too. I just can't bring myself to if they would have beaten a&m i probably would have taken them yeah if they'd beaten a&m i feel like this spreads about eight or nine mm-hmm. which I, I really like um but i'm gonna have to go with the tide yeah i don't think they cover though i think they win by like 14 okay. let's go back to this one real quick uh wake florida state 2.30 on ABC. Uh, Florida State's a seven-point favorite. Um, I'm glad they're just playing this game because of the hurricane. Didn't really want that to delay yeah. stuff. Because looking at the eye over it was right over Tallahassee. Now it's, thank God, it's uh, collapsed to a tropical storm. Yeah. Hope everyone's okay down in Florida. But I'm glad they're going to be able to get this game in because this is the first time I think Florida State and Wake have had a ranked matchup in Tallahassee. So Yeah, and once again, I feel like a seven-point spread here is a little excessive. It is a little excessive. They're giving it to Florida State, though. I don't know how the home field crowd's going to work for Florida State, though. Granted, because they cancel classes Tuesday to Friday, but they're playing a football game on Saturday. You know what I really wish? What? I wish that Auburn was on the road this week, so Mm -hmm. that way you and me could go down to this game. That would be an interesting— I've always wanted to go to a game at DK. That is a very—it is a very interesting um, um, environment, I think. Um, What concerns me with the the point spread, though, is— they barely won on the road at Louisville. And then Wake last week is coming off a very close loss to the uh, Clemson in double overtime. So who Wake is good. Yes, who is very good. So Wake is mad. Wake is still pretty good. They only drop one spot after losing a game. So that tells you what the committee thinks of them. But Jordan Travis this year has been one of the names to look out for in college football. He has had one of the better seasons this year compared to what he did last year. But then again, you're looking at runner-up for AC Player of the Year last year and second place in preseason voting for player of the year, Sam Hartman, who missed a game, mind you, had a blood clot in his non-throwing arm, has already has 962 yards and 13 offensive uh, throwing touchdowns. Yeah, he, he's good. He's very good. But then um, 
Wake's defense has been suspect to the run, which, look, judging by Florida State stats, is what um, Treshawn Ward is good at. So it's going to be interesting. I think Wake's won like one time in Tallahassee since I can remember. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a, an interesting game. Just I think it honestly might be like a game time or who you got decision for me. Yeah. WYG decision time. So real quick, we have time for one more game. And what better way than to go out to the Cornhusker State oh, man. for at 6.30 p.m. Central Time on the Big Ten <laughs> Network, the 3-1 and one Indiana Hoosers. Shout out our friend Margo at the Jungle. Let's Sh- go Hoosers. Shout out Margo. Then – uh, the th- one in three Nebraska Cornhuskers. This is the perfect time for Indiana to improve the two and zero in conference play. Yeah, but the right now, right now they're in a five point dog on the road in Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska. Good, that's what we want. And it is what you want. But Nebraska's been able to show they've been able to run the ball so far this year. Yes, that is the. Uh, I don't know how I use offenses or defenses stopping the run, but. Nebraska's got to be playing for something at this point. Hey, but do you know who's a horse for Indiana? Sean Shivers. Shivers. Yeah. But, yeah, that is going to do it for our college football talk. When we come back, we're going to talk about the world of baseball. I don't think any big news happened last night, did it, Daniel? Uh, No. Uh, A team in New York had a meaningless home run with a juiced ball. Yeah, probably. But we'll talk more about that when we come back. You're listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me, as always, is Griggs Blankenberg. And it is time for my personal favorite, Major League Baseball. So let's get right into it. All right. So tonight, the Minnesota Twins are hosting the Chicago White Sox. Lucas Giolito versus Louis Varland. I've got the Twins. Tonight, um, yeah, I got. Uh, I actually got the socks. I you think. can get in for two dollars if you're so inclined. <laughs> for some reason, it's saying you can get in for three dollars at Wrigley Field. I'm gonna go ahead and say that's not true, but I could be wrong. The Cubs are bad, but it's never that bad. And the, you can get into Fenway for five bucks. It's saying so. I feel yeah. like some of these are not true. I'm not seeing a game yet where I believe that price. I don't know, but I don't know. That's gonna be a good game. Detroit, Kansas City, I could believe, or Kansas City at Detroit, I could believe that being a $2 ticket. Yeah, I can believe in that one. That's, both teams really giving up. Just A lot of these teams really have now, if we're going to be honest. Dude, you can sit on top of the monster at Fenway tonight for 76 bucks. That is a steal. That, That sounds like a steal. That is a steal. Guess what the average price is for that ticket on a weeknight. Probably two hundred. You're looking at about four hundred, five hundred bucks. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So good baseball on this weekend. This Philadelphia at Chicago series I find very interesting as Philadelphia tries to gain some footing in the wild card race. And the Cubs aren't backing down this year. No, they which aren't. Is wild. I hope they can hold off against the Phillies. It'd be good for the Braves if the Phillies could lose this series. Uh, or actually, I don't actually, think it really matters no, for the tariffs for the Braves and the Mets now. That's a that's a whole different story. True. Texas at Seattle. What a series. This one for game one's tonight at 8.40 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. John Gray versus Marco Gonzalez. You can get into this one for 8 bucks. Trying to think, like, stings. We'll talk more about stings in a little bit. But trying to think, have the Mariners clinched yet, or are they really, really, really close? I think they have clinched. Let's they have not clinched. They are four and a half games above the Orioles. Who is, the Orioles have the last wild card spot. And how many games are left? Uh, like six. 
Not many. Not many whatsoever. I know that the Braves have two more series. I know they yeah. have to play the Mets and then someone else, but that series against the Mets is gonna be huge. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I was talking with Tyler about that last night. But yeah, I don't really. Do you want to just go ahead and hit to the standings? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So far, a little refresher. Let's go to the American League, starting in the East. The Yankees have clinched the American League East. I believe they have already clinched the the division title. They have, yeah. They have, yes. And they are nine and a half above the Jays for uh, that spot. And the Central is now all but the side. The one we thought was going to be closest down the stretch. Excuse me. The Guardians have taken over that one, and they have clinched the Central, and they have clinched their way into the playoffs first season first year for the guardians and first playoff one for the guardians under that name so good for them yeah um we did not see that coming and then the houston astros have clinched the um al west they lead by 17 games or the seattle mariners who are still looking to clinch a postseason burst for the first time since 2001 if you don't remember seattle still had a basque nba team the last time the mariners made the postseason we weren't alive yet we were not alive yet we can't really say that for many teams really anymore no i don't think so i i can't think of another team off the dome that i, I think that's the longest professional playoff drought in currently going in the four major sports in america yeah. correct me if i'm wrong i think that's right i don't know who else would be i think the jets were in like 09 yeah, no, the Jets played in the um, AFC Championship. Oh, game yeah, I remember that. One yeah. year. Yeah, moving on now to the National League. We'll go to the main series last. The Central, the St. Louis Cardinals last week clinched the Central title. They are now six and a half games above the Brewers, who are still fighting for a wild card spot. Um, the Now down to the West, the Dodgers, no shock to anyone, has clinched the best league record in the um, National League. So that means they will be the host team throughout the playoffs in the major leagues. And that's huge. Don't they get the bye for the first series? Yeah, they do. That is very huge for the I Dodgers. saw this meme. It was Freddie Freeman when he was, um, like, crying on the bench after, like, during the Braves series. It was like, blink twice if you've been kidnapped. And I was like, dang, that's really sad. But, yes, they are 21 games over the Padres and 30 games over the Giants, who somehow are still in a battle for a playoff spot. And they've not been eliminated yet. I don't know how, but, I mean, props. We're about to find out, though. American League, let's go to the wild card. Currently, the Blue Jays are two games up over the third wild card spot, followed by the Tampa Bay Rays, who are a half game up on the third wild card spot. And holding that third wild card spot are the Seattle Mariners, who are currently four and a half games over up over the Baltimore Orioles. I feel like another win-loss in either direction could potentially end that one for the Orioles, but... For a team that had a less than one percent chance to make zero point one percent chance to make the playoffs this year, you have to give it up to the Orioles. I mean, they they're most likely going to finish over five hundred, so credit to them. That's incredible. Yeah, when people thought that, that was about the same time that the Red Sox were the consensus division winner. And then the Cubs were out in June. <laughs> yeah, man, that's oh, I hate it. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. But moving on now to the Nash. Oh, we didn't even talk about the East. Let's go back to that real quick. I completely forgot about that. The National League East, currently the New York Mets hold a one-game lead over the Atlanta Braves. They are now even on games, each team holding, having played the same games. They play in a very important divisional series this weekend. And if the Mets take two of three, it looks, I believe, that would be almost all she wrote in that one. Yeah, I really hope the Braves can pull it off, mainly because it'd just be funny. Like I don't really hate the Mets as much of a lot of people down here do but just to see him collapse yet again 
would just be the funniest thing I've ever seen. It'd be in crazy my life. if the Braves won two of three, though, and then it's tied going into that last series. And the let's get that who they play in the last series. The Mets would play they play the Braves this weekend, and then in the last series they would play the Washington Nationals. So it's looking like it's more in favor of the New York Mets until I see who the Braves play in the last weekend of that series. I think the Braves are the fish. The Braves are at the fish, who are a little bit better in the Nationals, if I'm correct. Yeah, they're about the same. They're about the same, so it's coming down to the wire. So really can't drop any of those games for the two bottom teams in the East. But in the wild card for the NL currently, we have the Braves, who have right now have clinched the wild card spot, or a playoff spot. They are 13 games up over the third spot. The Padres are two and a half up over the third place spot, and the Philadelphia Phillies coming down to the wire. They are a half game above the Milwaukee Brewers. The Phillies right now have struggled against the Cubs. They can't be helping them in that. Yeah. Um, just I, I've been pretty satisfied with what I've seen from them, but I'm just interested to see how it ends. Mm-hmm. Other baseball news. Last night, Aaron Judge got into the record books as hitting the seventh most home runs in a major league season. So props Who? to him. That guy in New York that I went celebrating hitting, getting seventh all-time and most home runs in a season. Oh, uh, juice ball boy. I don't know. Why are we celebrating seventh place? Right. This is America, I thought. We celebrate first place. We yeah. celebrate gold medals. World War Championship. Mm-hmm, indeed. But I guess the American League being the less superior division to the National League in turn of, terms of bomb hittings, just, yeah. So, but that's actually kind of crazy if you think about it. He's now tied with Roger Maris for seventh, that the top six home run hitters of all time have all in the season have all been from the National League. Yeah. So that's crazy. Hitting hitting dingers, hitting bombs. The National League, that is what they're known for. Especially in that Maguire Sosa Bonds era. That's probably who I'm gonna guess are holding most of those spots. I definitely know Bonds is first and then Maguire. Yeah. And I Hank Aaron probably has one. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, what else? Is there two D? Uh, we gotta cover four more minutes. We gotta cover four more minutes on baseball. Um, how about we talk about some prospects to look out for next year? We could do that, or we could talk about what we really want to hopefully see in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, okay. Let's do yours. All right, let's do mine. Okay, so I believe as it stands right now, it is a um, the first round of the playoffs. Isn't that a still a three game series? Or, uh, yeah. Uh, or is it best of best of five? It's uh it's a three game series and so they, uh, best of three but all three games are at the higher seeded uh, teams park. Mm, that's interesting. And then the ne- is the next one best of seven, or does it go no, to the best of five? The next one will still be best of five. It goes best of three, best of five, and then best of seven for the champ for the championship, and then the World Series. Yeah, I don't get why they add that last Walker team. And it makes it so much yeah, more confusing. Because I remember when like it would be like the Cubs and the Pirates, and Jake Arrieta absolutely goes out there and kills it. And then that one game, I like that one game atmosphere. It's like a game seven atmosphere where you know you have to win this one no matter what to even play in the playoffs. So I like that. I get why they're doing it. It just makes it hard to follow, really, for me at least. I know last season was a regular season in terms of MLB, but yeah. Um, What is like one matchup you want to see? Not like, what do you think? Let's do this. We have not talked about this one yet. Uh, Let's go. AL Championship Series and NL Championship Series. I mean, you've already given our World Series predictions. Let's hear what you think on what you think are going to be the matchups for the pennant. Okay. 
I would really like to see either Yankees Blue Jays or Yankees Rays in the pennant for the AL. Just I really want to see the Yankees get taken out. I don't care who does it, including my own rivals. Like I will throw my full support behind whoever's playing the Yankees regardless. But I would love to see an American League East team take out the Yankees and then get bulldozed in the World Series. So over in the NL, if there was some way, I, I'm not sure, what the, it'll depend on the seeding, how this shakes out, but if there was some way we could get a Braves-Mets in LCS, that would be awesome. And then, I don't know, but I feel like, I don't think it'll be the Braves and the Mets. I feel like one, the winner's going to have to play the Dodgers probably is how it's going to shake out. Yeah, for me in the American League, I think it's going to be, this is what I really want to have. I want it to be the Mariners versus the Yankees because that would be really electric. Like, all of America would really be rallying around the Mariners in that one, I think. I think the worst-case scenario would be, uh, like, Cleveland versus Houston. I would say Yankees versus Houston because then and, well, that, actually, in that no. terms, I'm talking about in terms of, like, watchability. Oh, uh, true. On second thought, though, no, because then people will be rooting for the Yankees because of what happened last time they played Houston. Yeah, so we can't have any Yankee talk on that. And then for the National League, I'm going to go Mets-Dodgers. I just The arsenal that the Mets have in their pitching rotation, starting pitching rotation, the best one-two in baseball, I still believe, with DeGrom and Scherzer, I, I just think that's unmatched. Granted, their bats can become cold at some times. But this Strider is Freed is pretty good this year. I know, but when you look at name, looks in terms of name wise, the Grom Scherzer is still elite. I mean, those two f- former Cy Young winners who are still r- really good. But I got, I would like to see Mets, Dodgers, anyone but the Cardinals. Really, that would be preferable. But yeah, that is going to do it for MLB talk. When we come back, we're getting in the world of the National Football League. NFL is king. And it is King on the Eagle's Nest here, right here on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Eagle's Nest, everybody. It is hour two of the Eagle's Nest now. We're getting into it. In the past segment we talked about, we did a pre-cap, two different segments, but we talked about Auburn-Missouri recap. We previewed the LSU game. We talked about the world of college football this coming week. And we talked about baseball and what's going on in that. But now... It is time for our NFL preview from last week. So, Mr. Locke, hit it. And now let's get into it right here. My ESPN is actually working. Thank goodness. First off, on Thursday night, the Browns took down the Steelers 29-17 in uh, Cleveland. Jacoby Brissett, 220 yards for two touchdowns. The Steelers are 2-1 in the AFC North. Moving on down now to Chicago, where the Bears took down Davis Mills and the Texans 23-20. Justin Fields... Didn't look too good, but Khalil Herbert, 157 yards and two touchdowns. That'll get the job done. Moving on now to down to Nashville for the battle of the 0-2 teams. The Titans took down the Las Vegas Raiders 24-22, despite Derek Carr throwing 303 yards and two touchdowns. Raiders 0-3, only team in the National Football League with that record. Moving on now down to Indianapolis, where the roof was open from Jim Ursay and the Colts took advantage of that. They took down the Kansas City Chiefs 20-17 to get their first win. They are now 1-1-1. Yes, that is correct. One tie, one win, and one loss. Moving on now to Miami, where the Dolphins took down the Bills. It was 21-19. 
the Bills just ran out of time despite Josh Allen. 400 yards, two touchdowns. He's the game's leading rusher with only 47 yards, but Jalen Waddle still is incredible, 102 yards. Now we go to Minnesota where Kirk Cousins shined once again. It was since it wasn't in prime time. The Vikings had 14 points in the fourth quarter to overcome the lead by the Lions and come out with a victory. Jared Goff, 277 yards, one touchdown was the lead in that series. We go to Foxborough now where the Patriots lose to the Baltimore Ravens 37-26. Matt Jones, 321 yards, three interceptions, and it looks like he may be out for this week as well. Now we go to the Meadowlands where the New York Jets got whomped by the Cincinnati Bengals 27-12. Joe Flacco threw it 52 times for 285 yards and two touchdowns. And Tyler Boyd stepped up for the Cincinnati Bengals 105 yards and one touchdown. Now the Eagles versus the Commanders. The Eagles are the only team in football in the in the NFC that is who are three and zero, scoring 24 points in the second quarter. Jalen Hurts 340 yards, three touchdowns. Now the Fake game didn't happen. The Saints versus the Panthers. The Panthers get their first win of the year, getting their first home win in 371 days, snapping a nine-game losing streak, beating the New Orleans Saints 22 to 14. Jameis Winston still had 353 yards. Of passing Chris Olave 147 yards on nine catches. That's pretty good. And Christian McCaffrey gets up over 100 yards rushing. And now we move to the four o'clock slate. Jaguars take down the Chargers 38 10. Are the Jaguars legit? We'll talk about that more later. Rams Cardinals final score in that one 20 to 12. Rams look back legit. Calamari threw 58 times. Not great. And we still have a little bit more to go. Falcons beat the Seahawks for their first win of the season. Geno Smith wrote, and we didn't write back. Thank goodness we didn't. 325 yards, two touchdowns. Finally, we go up to um, – we actually, we go down to Tampa Bay where the Packers take down the Buccaneers 14-12. to Tom Brady, 271 yards. He just couldn't overcome the scoreboard, Daniel. And finally, the one of the worst Sunday night football games anyone's ever seen, the Broncos take down the 49ers 11-10 despite – Jimmy Garoppolo with Jimmy Garoppolo Orlovsky in the end zone giving the Broncos a safety and that was just enough to secure the win. And finally, the Giants take down the uh, lose to the Cowboys 23-16. Cooper Rush 215 yards. He may be legit. And that was your week 3 run through in the NFL. So, let's just start back a week ago today. Mm. I really thought that Pittsburgh was going to win this game. Oh, I did. I did too. I did, the Browns are exceeding my expectations right now without um, Deshaun Watson. I will say that. I was really hoping they'd be out of contention by the time he got back, but you know it's only eight weeks away, and they're not. It is. They are not. But it's still super early. But the calls for um, uh, Kenny Pickett are now starting to get louder. Yeah, and I. I don't know. 20 of 32 for 207 yards. It is not his fault that they lost. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Um, Other games. Um, Let's see what's got. Uh, Titans, Raiders. Two teams we both thought were going to be good going into the year. I especially thought the Raiders were going to be pretty good. Granted, they gained Devontae Adams. They didn't really lose anyone. But, yeah, 0-3 right now. And they having second thoughts on not – Bringing back interim head coach uh, Rich Passaccia? I hope so, because that was the fleece of a century. Like, everything that that team went through last year, from seeing your young potential star for years to come, wide receiver, 
wreck his whole career. Oh man, that was in poor taste. Anyways, just forget. Oh, 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 now I. Oh, <laughs> oh man, I see what you did there. Oh, anyway, brutal. And then just you know, everyone. John Gruden gets fired. Just everything that happened, and the fact that he still led them to the playoffs. I. That sucked. Like I really thought he got done wrong, but you know nothing you can do about it now. So I don't know. The Raiders definitely have to figure this out. And I don't know. I just I don't think Al Michaels knows how to. I'm not gonna finish that either. Or um, what was it? Um, who Josh McDaniels is the head coach, right? Yeah. It just goes to the fact that proving I have yet to see a Belichick disciple, as they are called, succeed in the NFL. Yeah, because Patricia sucked. I just can't see it happening. Like. Can you give an example of who has succeeded, who has been of the Belichick staff? Because I just don't see it happening. Because I'm the two I think of are Patricia and McDaniel's. Uh, McDaniel's had two chances, got brought back after his first one, and then Patricia was with the Lions for an abysmal like two years. And yeah, and in the time created one of the most toxic cultures in NFL history. I think the Belichick people just try to make it so like the Patriots that it just doesn't work. Because right, not what people are used to. I mean, saving disciples work. Like, look at Steve Sarkeesian, right? Mm-hmm. Um, basically, a twice a saving disciple, sort of like Josh McDaniels, but except he is actually making Texas better. It might not look like it every week, but Texas is doing better with him. But that system is nowhere close to how Alabama runs things. Mm-hmm. He's not trying to create Alabama in Austin. He's trying to, like, Obviously, there's some Alabama-esque elements there, but it's still largely his own thing. So, I'm a fan of, you know, coach discipleship. It's really cool to see people who, like, you know, are under a coach for a very long time and then what they can do elsewhere. My biggest fear is that one day Pete Carmichael, long time, the only offensive coordinator Sean Payton's had in New Orleans, is eventually going to receive the call uh, elsewhere, maybe in Charlotte next year. You'd be That'd be like Christmas Day for, who? for you. Who, um, who did we get? Pete Carmichael. What's he doing now? He's the Saints OC. So you would have the OC who built helped build the greatest offense the NFL's ever seen. We're calling the Saints offense the greatest offense anyone's ever seen. Not right now, but in the past, no. Two thousand nine no. through two thousand like eleven, yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. The, the Chiefs existed. No. Yes, the Chiefs no. existed. They've won a Super Bowl and then they went to one as well. No. You only went to one Super Bowl. Sure Granted, you do have a Super Bowl. I will say that. You do have that over me. But the fact is, you can't say you're the greatest offense of all time and only make one Super Bowl off of it. Sure you can. I I just can't see it, man. Give him any defense that anyone else had. and But the Saints' defense has been what their bread and butter is for the past couple of years, though. For the past couple of years. Why do we want like a coach who has experience? Like It's kind of like um, Matt Rule sometimes say people say he instills a college offense into the Panthers. That does not work in the NFL. A team that runs an offense, an older offense like that of Carmichael, I don't think would work for the Panthers, I don't think. All right, listen to this. In 2011, if you give – if the Patriots and the Saints swap defenses, the Saints don't lose a game. Okay, because they're putting up 40, and they were giving up on average like 38. So if that's reversed and they're not giving all that up, but they're still scoring and they have a defense who is giving up about – 14-15 a game, then that's a very good team. And they don't lose a game. I just can't. Well, the fact is the matter is if he had to run the greatest offense of all time, why didn't no one give him a shot then? 
because Sean Payton made him the highest paid coordinator in NFL history. Yeah, but he should have gotten another shot since it's kind of like what people are saying with Eric Bieniemy, kind of. Like, why has he not gotten a head coaching job yet either? And he's had one of the greatest offenses, I believe, in NFL history because that is a team that had went to the uh, won a Super Bowl and then played in one as well with that. And then they lost to the greatest of all time. That. So you don't want Pete Carmichael? I do not. I do not want an old Saints coordinator who was good 10 years ago. He's still good now. Give up, you only scored 14 on the Panthers. It's not let's, his fault that the players can't execute. Let's get into that, the though. play calls are genius. Let's get into that real quickly, though. Final score on Sunday at the bank. Panthers 22, Saints 14. Saints had a little bit of a fourth-quarter comeback. Not successful, though. Uh, Chris Olave, really good in this game, I noticed. 147 yards, was dominating. And then James Winston, 353 yards. Didn't seem like he threw for that much, I felt like, when I was watching it. But now that I'm seeing it on paper, I do believe that. But Christian McCaffrey over 100 yards for the first time this year. Panthers kept Alvin Kamara to 61 yards. That's actually honestly kind of impressive. And really good defensive game for the Panthers in that regard. Yeah, most solid. Yeah, with along with the fumble recovery touchdown and the blocked field goal, which I can't remember the last time the Panthers blocked a field goal in that regard. So that was impressive. But, yeah, so Daniel will be wearing a Luke Keekley jersey next week since he forgot today. So we, I guarantee we won't forget that. But now, oh, no, we'll bring that up in the next segment we got to talk about. But is there any other really game we want to talk about real quick before we get a break? Since we've still- my roommate, Ethan, keeps blowing up my phone with fallacies. So if that could just stop, Ethan, that'd be terrific. While I'm is there one more game show. we want to talk about for the uh, Dolphins-Bills, maybe? Yeah, as long as my phone doesn't blow mm-hmm. up with fallacies. Dolphins-Bills 21-19 in Miami. Are, are the Dolphins – are they legit? I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I I mean, they held the Bills tonight. I was going to say something about their defense, but they held it to 19. But I still I still feel like the Bills are going to win that division. It's just a, I still feel like two was going to. Well, Josh Allen threw 40, 63 passes. For 400 yards. And his leading receiver had 78 yards. What in the world? Okay, I want to see how many different Bills had a catch because it's got to be a ton. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven different receivers caught one. There was three receivers with 70 um, over 70 yards. Wow. And then the next one is 37, or next two of three. So that's crazy. That is crazy. But I still believe in the Bills. I don't think any – I think the Bills still got it. I still think – they're still, they're oh, still yeah. my Super Bowl take. Three, yeah. game, three weeks in, people are quick to jump to conclusions. Yeah, that, that team's talented. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like, they are they are really, really good. Mm-hmm. And they're scary for anyone else in the NFL. Yeah. They're scary. Mm-hmm. But that is going to do it for our week three uh, recap. When we come back, we're going to preview all of week four the NFL has to offer. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Along here to my right is Griggs Blankenberg. In the last segment, we talked about NFL week three. Uh, Now we're going to talk about NFL week four. And for me, Griggs, it gets started bright and early on Sunday morning. Eight, oh wait, we forgot Thursday night football. Hold on, how could I? What a shame. Okay, so tonight at 7.15 p.m. Central Time on Amazon Prime Video, it is the Miami Dolphins versus the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals have a 71.8% chance of winning, according to ESPN's FPI, and the spread is minus 3.5 in their favor. But can Tua continue the hot streak? That's going to be the question, isn't it? I mean, they've had to practice. They've been practicing at the University of Cincinnati all weekend, all week. So that'll be interesting. 
Dolphins the last 3-0 team in the AFC. I'm leaning maybe towards the Dolphins a little bit more. Bengals are favorites, but the fact that the Dolphins could do it against the Bills makes me think they could do it against anyone. Yeah, I. the Dolphins are slowly but surely earning my trust. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. 8.30 a.m. Central Time on the NFL Network. The New Orleans Saints have a 49.8% chance of winning, according to ESPN's FPI. The spread is down 2.5 in favor of the Vikings. Kirk Cousins is 74 of 119 for 758 yards, five picks, and three touchdowns. And since this game is going to be going on before most people on the West Coast wake up, I am a little concerned because I would not call this a primetime game. But think about it in this way. Primetime games could technically be defined as any game that has no other game competing with it at the same time. Fair enough. So I could see that. I mean, Tottenham has a history of not having a lot of success or trophies, so this is perfect that these two teams are playing in this game. Um, but Jameis, I think it can be success. Uh, I'm kidding. I know. But the fact is, Jameis did struggle the one time he did go to London, so that does concern me. He's played at the stadium once. He got thwomped by the Panthers when he was with the Bucks a few years back. I don't think that's going to be an issue, but Kirk Cousins versus Jameis Winston's an amazing quarterback matchup <laughs> for memes. Yeah, it really is pretty funny. Uh, the last time Saint, the Saints played in London, they beat the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. So that's good you got stuff. Got that going for you. Yes. And I, mean, I had a point I was going to make about it. I don't know. I'm very excited. I think it's going to be fun to watch. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I wish they could play at Crystal Palace's stadium. But have you seen Tottenham Stadium? Yes. It is gorgeous. Not as gorgeous have as you seen, They have like the whole like thing. They have like separate locker rooms for like NFL and stuff. Really? Like they make it so it's not like – different stuff so it's oh, crazy so they, they've they've taken measures to make sure that they have a monopoly over the other uh london premier What's league the team. most new stadium and they have like the field like so the all all professional soccer is played on real grass mm-hmm. and overseas that is a fact so what they do is like for the, they have turf for, i believe for the nfl so they'll remove the soccer thing and put it down below the pitch and they'll bring up like a turf thing so it's kind of like a stacked thing like layers type of thing so huh. they can remove the turf and like put like an nfl surface in Interesting. So they have, they're really, yeah, they're really set it up well to host stuff like that. But I'll be, I'll be interested. I'll be up for that. I'll be watching F one and football at the same time on Sunday. I'll be perfect. This game's on my dad's birthday. Hmm. Happy birthday to Daniel's dad. Indeed. Um, Browns Falcons. Uh. Gosh. Yuck. Um. Uh, Browns. I, I got Browns. Yeah, me too. Um, that's just I, that's all I got to say on that one. I'm really Yuck. excited for the next game. Yuck. Um. Next game, I think me and you are a little different on your computer. Um, my next game says Commanders Cowboys. I doubt you're so ex- really excited about that one. Well, now mine says Commanders Cowboys too. Okay, so uh, this is a win-win for me. Okay, mm-hmm. if the Cowboys lose, that's always a win. Mm-hmm. If the Commanders lose, I get to make fun of Alex Houston. Mm-hmm. So no matter how this one goes, I get something out of it. But he still has Dan Snyder as his owner, so you can always just say that. Right. But Alex Houston has been very, very uncharacteristically unkind to me the last couple weeks. So. <laughs> About the Commanders? No, just one... in general. <laughs> um, Seahawks Lions. I can't wait for this. Game. I got the Lions. I think they're. I think I got the Lions. I mean, yeah, I, me I, I I don't believe in the Seahawks. I think Dude, I was a I love one Dan off. Campbell. Dan Campbell's a beast, and Jared Goff. Again, I say this a lot though. With him and Garoppolo, people forget Jared Goff went to a Super Bowl. 
People get Jared Goff as a that, Super that's quarterback. That's the thing that happened, yes. Granted, that game is one of the worst Super Bowl games in history, 10-3. to but What happened two weeks prior <clears throat> wasn't so hot either. Yeah, not great. Um, Oh, wait. Oh, yeah, that was – yeah. Oh, I was still thinking um, – yeah, never mind. Um, Titans-Colts. This is interesting. The fact that the Titans have struggled off, off jumping out the gate and the Colts are the evenest you can be. Yeah, 1-1-1. One, one, and one. I got the Titans in this one just because I don't believe in Matt Ryan. Yeah, I do I'm believe in Jonathan Titans. Taylor, though. I just can't see Matt Ryan really being successful for too much longer. Yeah. Um, one thing, Jonathan Taylor is listed as questionable, which Ooh, isn't good for my fantasy team. That's not good team. at all. Speaking of your fantasy team, though, we're going to this next matchup, Giants-Bears. Uh, that'll be in uh, the Meadowlands. Daniel, I think you tweeted out something this week that if you got 10 retweets on a tweet that you'd have to start Daniel Jones. you know how many retweets you got on that? Uh, I got about thirteen. So in my most of them are from people in our sister station, Eagle Eye TV. So in my Eagle Eye TV league is where I will be starting him. And honestly, it's not so bad. Like he's projected fifteen. And I mean, the Bears are just so random. I mean, Justin Fields has thrown the ball very little, which is uncharacteristic. I mean, I'm looking at the stats right now. He's thrown the ball only. Um, he's only thrown the ball forty-five times. I mean. Joe Flacco threw more than that week one. Josh Allen threw more than that week one. And the leading receiver for the Bears has only 77 yards on the season. That's yeah. just yuck. I, I'm i leaning more towards the Giants in that one, but that's one of our who-you-got games. Yeah, I'm leaning more towards the Giants myself. This is also a who-you-got game. This is a huge matchup that people really probably didn't think were at the start of the year. Jaguars at the Birds. The Go Birds. Uh, at <clears throat> at the link on Sunday afternoon, six-and-a-half-point favorite are the Eagles. Jalen Hurts is balling out in his contract here. Dude, he is. Um, he's either going to be getting a pretty good extension in Philly or he's going to be taking his talents to New Orleans. I think most likely Philly. Maybe New Orleans. Philly. He's from Houston. That's pretty close to New Orleans. Yeah, and Deshaun Watson's from South Carolina. I thought he was going to come to the Panthers. Glad that didn't happen yeah, now, though. Yeah. <laughs> Hindsight, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Jet Steelers. Um, oh, it man. sounds like um, what an ugly game. <clears throat> yeah, I can already see it's, like a nine-seven mm-hmm. score or something. It sounds like that Zach Wilson's gonna be back. I feel like if Mitch struggles out the gate, they're gonna jump to Kenny Pickett early. I got the I got the Jets in this one. But if they go to Kenny Pickett, I think anything can really happen. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, I really like this matchup either way it goes, but I'm excited, and I think that I, I think that the Jets are going to – oh, wait, is this a pick'em game? No, it's not. I think the Jets are going to win. Moving on now, now this is a pick'em game. Bills-Ravens, this is going to be in Baltimore on Sunday afternoon at 12. Bills taking on the Ravens, both 2-1. and one. Uh, Buffalo is a three-point favorite in this one. Um, again, I'm. Oh, we this is a picking game. Um, this is an interesting match. I think Lamar's been everything this year. Talk about contract years. He's definitely someone you can point to and be like, yeah, he's one of been the best players, one of the best the best players this year. But then again, Josh Allen's really good, and so is Stephon Diggs on that regard. And the Ravens dropped that game to the Dolphins that they shouldn't have. So, yeah, take with that as you will. Yeah, I'm really excited. It's going to be a fun game. And either way, it's just going to be hilarious. 
Um, <clears throat> Chargers, Texans, both teams just not great. I mean, everyone was so high up on the Chargers to start this year. I contributed to that. I thought that the Chargers... I mean, I did to an extent, too. But they've struggled, man. They really have. Yeah, my expectations were way too high. Again, we say all this stuff. We Like, the last time, we can't be too overreactive in week three. But at the same time, we have to a little bit. Yeah, you do. And, you know, NRG Stadium in Houston. Mm. I can't believe this is a, a, a stadium that's um, hosted Super Bowl. Because, Griggs, have you ever been to Houston? I have not. It is ugly. <laughs> it's it is, multiple it is ugly. Super Bowls. Yeah, I don't know what the big appeal is. Um, Patriots Packers, 325 on CBS. I don't believe Mac Jones is going to play. And for that reason, I'm going to take the Packers. Just because the fact that, yeah. Because they don't have Mac Jones, they're starting Brian Hoyer, and I do not believe in Brian Hoyer. Cause my roommate oh. Ethan was um, floating around the idea of going to this game with his dad, so I, I'm pretty sure they're uh, probably glad that they elected to not do that. You think Ethan wants to hear the stat I'm about to say? Uh, go for it. He deserves it after talking trash. Brian right. Hoyer is 0-11 as a starter in the NFL. <laughs> hey, but then on the bright side, I could say he's not has enough doesn't have enough sample size yet because he's not played a full season. I mean, 11 games, good amount. They should just let him. They should just play him the rest of the year, probably. Yeah, I don't know. But question for Ethan: He can text me later. Is he the guy? Is Mac Jones? We have a lot of talk about hims, dogs, guys. But is Mac Jones the guy for the future? What about dudes? Hmm. Is Mac Jones a dude? I'm gonna say no because he had to be carried off after an ankle injury and he was crying. So, so let's rank it. What comes first? As of right now. I think dogs come first. Then dogs dudes, and, the, and, and then no, hymns. I think dogs, then second is hymns. Very and close. And then dudes? And then dudes. Okay. Yeah, I think because all the people on the sidelines are yelling, like Jalen Ramsey after he made that interception, after getting burned in the first week, said, I'm him. He's not really, but. No, Jalen Ramsey's not. Anything. Yeah. Uh, Broncos Raiders. The Broncos are probably one of the worst two and one teams in NFL history. Probably. And I was, I will be one first up, hand him up. I was very high up on the Broncos start this year. I thought with Russell Wilson coming in and their receivers, there was no way they can be bad, and they have exceeded my expectations. But the team who I also praised up a lot this year are the Raiders, and they are playing at 325 CBS, two-and-a-half-point favorite are the Raiders. This is not a pick game. I got the Raiders. I think they need this one. I think they're going to get this one. I don't really trust Russell Wilson that much, even though he's one of my fantasy quarterbacks. And their car has proven, again, that he's still pretty good. Yeah, I trust the – oh, man. Oh, wow. You don't want to say it, do you? The Raiders get on the board. That's what I'm going with. And our finally on Sunday night, we have – this is our, one of our picking games. Chiefs-Bucks, it's going to be in Tampa, Florida, I believe. They're still going to be okay to play this one, right? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. Line right now is even. So, either way, uh, Patrick Mahomes taking on the GOAT, Tom Brady and the Bucks. believe that – all the main weapons for Tom Brady are going to be back. I know Julio, Mike. Ab- Russell, and Brashad uh, Perriman are all questionable. Is Godwin back? Uh, I believe Godwin's back. And then Evans is back. Okay. Yes. That's going to be an interesting game, though. I mean, the Chiefs have exceeded people's expectations so far this year. Don't really get how they drop one of the Colts, but that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. And finally, on Monday night on ESPN in Santa Clara, the 49ers are taking on the Saint, uh, I, don't, I actually almost said St. Louis Rams. I can't believe it. It's been like four or five years now. I'm 
I apologize, ladies and gentlemen. The Los Angeles Rams, still kind of weird to say that sometimes. Right now, the 49ers are a <clears throat> point and a half favorite over the um, defending Super Bowl champions. Yeah, um, I'm going with the Rams, I think. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Rams, too. I mean, they're a uh, game-and-a-half-point underdog to a team that only scored 10 points and gave up a safety last night. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Rams on that one. Yeah, and spe- you um, talk, calling them St. Louis made me think of this. So I went to St. Louis for Memorial Day weekend, and on the first night we were there, my dad and I were kind of just walking around the downtown area, and we went over to – now it's called the Dome in America Center. Oh yeah, I think home was, of the St. Louis Battlehawks. Right, and like it used to be called, I think Edward Jones Dome, maybe something like that. Something like that. It's yeah. Anyways, um, and I was just like, if you had told me that an NFL team played there five years ago, I would not have believed you. They won a Super Bowl there. Right. It's just great. Like, oh man, it's that area has definitely moved on. It really has, but I think they still deserve an NFL team. Pardon me, because well, maybe no... if it wasn't so hard to find a bite to eat in downtown St. Louis after 5 p.m., maybe they. Here's have the last. One. I rarely defend St. Louis. I'll do this one thing. They had a plan in place to build a riverfront stadium for Stan Kroenke. He Could jumped there have been ship food there. Yes, there would have been okay. food. He jumped ship way too early for L.A. and now his home stadium is crowded with away fans. After during almost every game. I think if they ever NFL ever expands again, I think they're gonna go back to St. Louis because of that. Because there's a super, there was a Super Bowl winning team. In St. in St. Louis, it's a great town. It's a town. Um, it's a great town. It's a good town. It's an okay town. Um, but yeah, that I mean I think it's hosted a Super Bowl and stuff too. Yeah, they, they've had renovations prior to 2010 and all that stuff too. But yeah, that outside is not too too great. I can understand why you thought that. But that was going to do it. The end for us for our NFL talk. When we come back. We're talking. It's back, baby. We're talking a little bit of that hockey. Where you're listening to the Eagles Nest here on a Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Daniel Locke. Alongside me today, as always, Griggs Blankenberg. It's been a loaded show today. We got things kicked off with some Auburn-Missouri talk. Then we previewed the Auburn-LSU game. Then we talked about week five five, in college football, then Major League Baseball, and then we recapped week three and previewed week four of the NFL. And now it is back for the first time this semester we are talking about the National Hockey or actually, second time. For the second time this semester, we're talking about the National Hockey Oh, yeah, we had our summer recap stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I get what you're saying. That. But yes, the NHL preseason is – when does the regular season start? Um, Like early October. No, wait, like mid-October. Okay, because when I was looking at this stuff, I was, I was actually kind of surprised that hockey was starting like this early. Like yeah. for terms of preseason, really, if that, that makes sense. a little early. Yeah, it does feel really. It feels actually really early because I've never really heard preseason talk hockey talked about like this much in that regard. If you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, I got you. I think the opening night is Wednesday, October nineteenth. Because I think, but but they have the defending champs on ESPN Plus, so maybe not. I don't know. We have to figure this out though. First, we do. We do. Regular season schedule on NHL.com. Um, opener is October 11th. I cannot wait. But apparently the first game is October 7th when the Sharks go to... I don't know. This is wild. Because the Sharks are playing the game, a game in Shanghai for some reason. 
Now, on Saturday at noon, the Bruins play the Flyers on ESPN+. Plus. So, Crystal Palace is at 9.30. So, <laughs> okay. I'm going to watch that. Then I might turn this on, watch a period of it, and then head over to campus for the game. For which? Know. For preseason? I want to watch the boys. You're watching preseason hockey before? No, mm. so last year, I wa- or last, last year, last Saturday night, I wanted to watch the Bruins preseason game. But then my friend Grant was like, nah, let's go get cookout. Like, I didn't want cookout. I wanted to watch preseason hockey. Yes, I wanted to watch the game. It's not fair. That's funny. No, it's not fair. Like, no, no one ever wants to watch the hockey. I do want to watch the no, hockey. No, not, not the, you. Not you're, the you're preseason excluded. hockey. You're excluded. Or not in a bad way, but you know what I mean. Yeah. This year, there's going to be a night when I invite all my friends over. I'm going to be like, yeah, we're going to be watching this. And I'm just going to lock the door. I'm going to trap everyone in. And Hold we're just going to be watching hockey. Hold on. The locking the door part kind of caught me off guard. but No one's leaving until the hockey's over. Not for preseason hockey. I can understand regular season hockey. Yeah, right. Especially, why would people brag about preseason hockey? Like, come on. Like, Who would do that? Someone not, not in me. the Auburn University student media. Not me. Not, not you. Not, not you. No, I'm, yeah. I, I know my place with my team this year. And speaking of that, it is, it's going to be so bad. You think so? Oh, my goodness. It's going to be terrible. It's The fact of the matter is I love that team. My main concern for this year is can we please just hold on to Patrick Kane? That, I mean, he's not going to want to stay. I get that. I understand that. However... It would mean the world to me if he could retire as a Blackhawk. There's so much trade talk with him going into the trade deadline last year, and now this season, if things take a rough turn early, he may want to jump ship. But, yeah, that would be that'd be the worse than losing every game this year for me. Yeah, as far as the Bruins go, it's going to start out kind of rough because we're not going to have Marchand, we're not going to have Pasternak, and I don't, we're not going to have McAvoy. Or Grizzly to start the year. I take it back. We will have Pasternak. But we will have Patrice Bergeron, and we will have David Krejci, for what it's worth. Mm -hmm. So my expectations for the Bruins, if they can get past the second round this year, I think that's a dub. Like, obviously, it's going to be – it's definitely going to be Krejci's last run in the NHL. It's going to be be Bergeron's last, probably. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Marshawn's getting older. Love him or hate him. I love him. A lot of people don't. He's getting older, and, you know, McAvoy is the future of this team. Hampus Lindholm is the future of this team. So we still have some talent for the future, but this is, if we're going to win a Stanley Cup any time within, it, like, the next 10 years, it's, it is, it's now. Now is the time. For the Blackhawks, it's, if the Blackhawks finish five games under 500, I'll be ecstatic. That's yeah. my that's my terms of thinking, because, this is such a young team. We got rid of a lot of pieces. We picked up a lot of picks in this year's NHL draft. We started the dra- uh, first round draft night with, I believe, zero picks because we traded away our 2021 first round for Seth Jones. Mm-hmm. And then we got like four picks that night from trading away Doc and uh, the Brinkett. So we ended up with that. So we're definitely building towards the future. I like the new GM a lot. New coach is interesting. Uh, I thought Derek King did a really good job last year. I mean, if I think if the Blackhawks would have had Derek King and would have fired um, Jeremy Carlson earlier, I think we could have actually done something more, like actually been in contention later into the year. Uh-huh. Because when Derek King came, we started to win almost immediately. And then we were just off and on. 
Yeah. So if I thought that we could have done something, but it's going to be rough this year, man. And yeah, I mean, I think it's the same. We're going to have an NHL pre- preview later on, closer to the season, so the next couple weeks. But it's looking like the same are going to rise to the top as it was last year. Yeah, and that might not be like a whole hour of an NHL talk, but that might be like 30 minutes. Yeah, because I still believe – I mean, Colorado is still so good. I mean, they lost they lost, um, Kadri. That's the only real big name I can think of that they lost. Yeah, and they signed McKinnon to an eight-year extension. Largest deal in NHL history. Yeah, which is still crazy. Like, if you compare that to the largest deal in each of the other three leagues' history, it looks puny. Yeah. But at the same time, like, that's it's more underst- money than I'll ever have. It's understandable. It's like the same people who are, like, arguing why are NBA people getting paid more than the WNBA. It's right. like that same argument. There's, like, there's just more money to pay them. Exactly. I mean, ho- and hockey's still growing. I mean, ESPN, granted, we don't like the broadcast they put on, but the ESPN Plus function has been ginormous. Right. Having, for a $6 a month subscription I already have, the fact that I can watch 90% of Bruins games and then the most of the other 10% are on networks I already have. So, so I mean, coming from me, like, the Blackhawks were on NBC Sports Chicago. I never really had that. We had to buy the – I mean, Grant, I got really into hockey during 2020 and stuff like that. I'd always been a Blackhawks fan. Watched Because the Blackhawks had a lot of games on NBC and NBC Sports Network. Mm-hmm. And then when that happened, NBC Sports Chicago, like, I never really could watch a game because it just wasn't – I wasn't paying $100 to watch NHL Network. Right. Now with ESPN Plus, we said $10 a month – for all the stuff I watch it with, so ho- soccer, all this other stuff, random football games, and have yeah. hockey with that now, it's great. Because I didn't think that was the case. It was like kind of how I thought MLB would work, where you can't really watch the MLB games unless you buy the MLB Pass with ESPN+. Plus. Right. And then, like, my biggest beef with MLB Network is, like, there's a region of Iowa where six teams are blacked out. Even though they're the closest drive to any one of those teams' stadium is six hours. Even not as bad as that, but for Charlotte, my zip code is blocked out four teams. Right, let me guess: Braves, mm-hmm. Nats, mm-hmm. Card. No, not Cards. Excuse me: Braves, Nats, Orioles. Yes, one more. Okay, Charlotte, North Carolina. That's here. Cincy. You got it. Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. Reds, Orioles, uh, Braves, and the Nats. So. That's still crazy to think about, too. Cause yeah, like, because you're three hours from Atlanta, at least, probably more. Mm-hmm. You're probably, what, four from D.C.? Probably around there. I know I'm at least four and a half-ish from Atlanta. Okay. Pretty far from D.C., pretty far from Baltimore. Yeah. A hike from Cincy. Mm-hmm. The black guy rule. MLB's just stupid like that. Yeah. If they had the um, NHL, or if they had the ESPN Plus arrangement that the NHL has, viewership would skyrocket. Oh, yeah, 100%. Just, I mean, it's MLB. They're always the last to do anything. Right, like, I'm still going to pay it just because I want to watch the Sox. And, you know, obviously we don't get Ness in here. <laughs> but, um... I didn't buy MLB this year for the Cubs. It was just abysmal. I canceled my subscription in August. You only had one more month ago. <laughs> I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take paying for that one more time. That's funny. Anyways... We're going to step oh, sorry. No, I was going to say what you're going to say. Go for it. We're going to step away for a second. Then when we come back, it is who you got, everyone's favorite, and we're going to wrap things up for today and get out of here, and we'll also tell you how we're planning on doing the show next week. This is the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Don't go anywhere. And welcome back into the Eagles Nest, everybody. 
it is our final segment of the show. We've been here with you for an hour 45. We talked all from football, college football, NFL, MLB, and just then NHL. But now it is time for everyone's favorite segment of the week. The only segment we've done throughout all the Eagles' nests, same thing. It is who you got. Let's get back into it from last week. Both Daniel and I both went four and six, so our records are now Daniel 32 to 28, and I am 27 and 33. So still I'm within striking distance. But another bad week could make it really challenging. Yeah, maybe so. Well, let's just go ahead and get right into it. Let's start off with college football this week. Saturday at 2.30 on ABC. Wake Forest takes on Florida State in Tallahassee. Daniel, who you got? I'm going with the Deeks for you, Kent, and Eddie. I'm going with the Deeks because it's the first actual, like, real, real test. I'm going to say. I mean, I'm like, LSU, eh, and... I granted, I think that's a test in there, but there's just so many mistakes on both team sides. I can't really say it was a clean game either way. So I'm going to go Wake on this one. I think set, in the line, seven points in favor of Florida State's a little high. For You don't even know if you're going to fill your stadium on Saturday because of the hurricane stuff. Right. Moving on now, 11 a.m. on ESPN Saturday, the number seven Kentucky Wildcats take on the number 14 Ole Miss Rebels. Daniel, who you got? If you can handle Swamp, you can handle Vaught Hemingway. And that is exactly why I am picking Kentucky as well. I still don't believe in Jackson Dart. If he does something here, I'll change my tune on that one. Moving now to Waco, Texas, where the Baylor Bears are hosting the Oklahoma State Cowboys. That is going to be sometime on Saturday. I think it's on Fox. Can't remember that. But, Daniel, who you got? Hmm. Oklahoma State University. I think they're one of the more... Oklahoma State's one of the more like consistent teams in college football that people don't really talk about too much. Mike Gundy's done a good job there. And to think about it is like they've or a play away maybe last year from potentially getting in the playoff if Cincinnati slipped up. Yeah, I think you're right. So I'm going Oklahoma State as well. Uh we are going to Clemson, South Carolina to the fake Death Valley where number ten NC State is ho- uh, going to number ten or number five Clemson. That's gonna be college game day this Saturday. Mr. Luck. Whomst do you got? I'm going to have to go Clemson, man. I just don't buy this um, NC State squad at all. I don't believe in NC State at all. If they win this game, I will believe in them. Mark my words, I will praise NC State next week. But until then, I'm going with the Tigers. They just beat a competitive Wake team on the road. They had to face some adversity and still came out with the victory. So I'm going Clemson. We now travel to the National Football League. First game, Bears at Giants. It's going to be the Meadowlands. This Sunday, Daniel, who you got? <sighs> I'm gonna have to take the Bears. The Bears. I'm gonna go Giants. I don't think the Bears believe in Justin Fields right now. The Giants. And I don't think he believes himself either. So I will be going with the New York Giants at home. Saquon Barkley over 100 yards rushing. Now I think one of the best games of the week: Jags at Eagles. The Jaguars, the surprise team so far. No one thought would, this would happen. They're two and one, going to. Link, Lincoln Financial Field, to go to the Eagles, only 3-0 team in the NFC. Mr. Locke, who do you got? Bro, have you seen that video of Trevor Lawrence's hype speech? I have not. Um, Some guy from ESPN captioned it, bro couldn't motivate me to make a sandwich. But it was so funny, and he he got the job done. So I'm going to go with the Eagles, but I really feel like the Jags are kind of fixing things. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. Something about this, though, I'm going to go the Jags. I think 
I think the Eagles are due for a slip-up game. If people are say how good they are, the Bills have already had their slip-up game. I think the Eagles can have theirs this week. And what better time than the Jaguars, who are shocking a lot of people right now. Uh, now we go to Baltimore, where the Bills are going to the Ravens. And this is an interesting matchup indeed. I think – no, wait, that's for the Chiefs game. Daniel, who you got? Bills. I have the Bills as well. And Josh Allen revenge game. Get ready. Yeah, it's coming up. Moving on now. I don't know why they put this one as a standalone primetime-esh game, but 3.05 on Sundays, the Cardinals at the Panthers. Panthers are actually the favorite in this one. Uh, point and a half. Panthers have had the Cardinals number the last couple of times they've played, but we'll see now. Daniel, who you got? I'm going to have to go with the Cardinals. Um, I, the Panthers are better than expected. I'll give you that. But I feel and like the, the fact Card- they've won one game. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually better than I expected, too. <laughs> I, I think the Cardinals are good, though. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the Panthers off the so fact that we beat them last year in um, Glendale. They had DeAndre Hopkins when we played them, and we hit our quarterbacks for P.J. Walker, and then it was the Cam Newton game. So I think we can get the job done at home. It's be a huge momentum booster if we could win two games at home, and then I'm back there. I'm in the bank next week for the 49ers-Panthers game. So hopefully that can be happen, but I'm going to ride my boys. I'm going with the Carolina Panthers. Moving on now to the Sunday night football game. It is Chiefs at Bucks. This is the line. It's even right now. Brady's got all his weapons back, so this one should be interesting. Daniel, who you got? Chiefs, revenge for Super Bowl 50, whatever. And it's the same feel as that happened, too. It's crazy That's to think true. that has never happened in NFL history and that happens in back-to-back years. I know, right? Not just the fact that the team is playing in their home state, but the fact that they won, too. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Chiefs as well. I think they got too much firepower. And even though the Bucks defense is pretty good, I still think the Chiefs are really, really good. And the the Chiefs in their division is everyone thought the NFC West was going AFC West going to be really competitive this year, but the Chiefs are starting to pull away a little bit more than we expected. So I'm going with the Chiefs. And finally, on Saturday at 6 p.m., the LSU Tigers will travel to Jordan Hare Stadium. That'll be at 6 p.m. to take on the Auburn Tigers on ESPN. Line currently is minus eight in favor of the Bayou Bengals. Mister Lock, who do you got? I would love to take Auburn. I took Auburn last year, and I didn't regret it. But that was a different year. We had a quarterback wide faith in last year. This year, I cannot say the same. So, love me, hate me, I've got to go with LSU. I'm sorry. Along those same lines, I think this is also the first time this has happened in our show's brief history. I just there's nothing really to believe in right now. Like their offense has shown me absolutely nothing through four games so far where I can point to and be like, we had a complete dominant offensive performance from one side of the ball. I've yet to see that. Whenever I'm watching this team play, I feel like I live in like Billings, Montana or something. I just can't see it happening. Vegas can't see it happening. And for that reason I'm gonna have to go with LSU for this game. So this will be the first time in the Eagles Nest history where both we've had an Auburn game, I believe most every week Auburn has played. And this will be the first week we have both picked against Auburn. I think this will almost be probably the first time we both since I didn't wasn't here for football last year, we both have not picked Auburn. Yeah. Um because on the show We had basketball. Yeah, I, I think we probably picked Auburn for every basketball game they played last year. Mm-hmm. And like why not? Because yeah, you know, they were good. There was a shot. Yeah. But, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. So, 
next week is interesting. It's fall break here at Auburn University. Mr. Daniel, how do you want to tell them we're doing our show next week? Because we're still getting the show out for the people. Yes, we still are. Either Monday or Tuesday night. Hasn't been decided which yet. Griggs and I are going to come in here pretty late at night, and we're going to do it. We'll, we'll do it live. Um, we will do it live. We will broadcast on our socials when that is happening, too. Yes. Our socials are at the end of the show. If you want to look at those, you can check those out. Check out our show times coming up. We'll probably have an idea when we're doing it, either probably Sunday night, I imagine. Oh, well, maybe it's probably sooner than that, like tomorrow. Yeah, but we will keep you all posted on that since yes. we don't want to miss a week of action, especially during football season. Worst case scenario, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and we'll have a Zoom episode. Worst case scenario. Worst case. You can look at that if you want. I believe that is also on our socials as well. Yes. But that is going to do it for this episode of the Eagles Nest. We want to thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you Later on, this not a full week. We'll see you sooner than you think. For Daniel Locke, I'm Griggs Blankenberg. Have a good day, everyone, and War Eagle. Thank you for tuning in to the Eagle's Nest. We enjoyed bringing you updates on everything going on in the world of sports. If you missed any of today's show, you can catch the podcast version wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke and at the Griggs B. Until next time, this has been the Eagle's Nest. See you next week.